Let me talk to you for a moment now about our mission program as a fellowship because, um, uh, as Rob said, and as you know, um, I look after mission for our fellowship uh, in a way. I sort of encourage it and promote it and uh, sort of steer the ship a bit, you know. But mission had, as you know, fallen on bad times. And when they asked me to take it on, we had to basically put the train back on the track and, and get it moving. And it's been slow, but now we have tremendous momentum. At our last national conference in Brisbane, and I, I appreciate how far it is for many of you to come and how difficult it is, you probably weren't there. We have an annual report which will be available to you at the state conference in, in South Australia. My team will bring down a pile of them, and you go get one because it's worth having. But let me give you a brief summary of the last two years. That is, two years from you know, uh, January to January. So we're six months, this is six months old already. Eight months old already. But what we reported at conference. Now, the, the results so far are even better than these. But let me say, in, the, in that two-year conference period, we planted 499 churches in various parts of the world. That's pretty amazing. That's more than our entire fellowship planted throughout Australia. We trained 12,632 indigenous leaders in various parts of 12,000. That's more than we've got pastors in Australia. Uh, we, we saw 7,907 people come to Christ. We baptized 1,747. We ba saw 1,462 baptized in the Holy Spirit. We took teams during that time, and that included 1,168 people came on teams to various aspects of the work that we engaged in. We assisted 357,953 children. It's precise because we keep exact records. When we, when we help those children, we help them with temporary accommodation uh, until we could find families and people that we could adopt, families we could adopt them into, good Christian families, trained and prepared and willing to have them. Uh, we provided uh, health care for them. We did a whole range of stuff that we do for kids. But that's quite amazing. That's, you know, call it 358,000 kids. That's probably more people that live down in this part of the world, counting all the towns and cities. It's, um, it is more, it's close to the population of Northern Territory, isn't it? Or greater than, very close, if not greater than, the population of the Northern Territory. Your fellowship did that, and that was just with kids. That's something to be proud of, isn't it? Now, in regard to children, there's, there is at the moment running a uh, commission on modern slavery. It's being done by the national government, and it's been headed up by senators and other, other people from various government departments. So they're looking at modern slavery, how this happens in our society today, how it happens around the world, and what Australia can do to eradicate slavery in its modern forms. So we, your fellowship, submitted a paper to that, and we, the mission, also submitted a paper that. As a consequence of that, the government came to us and says, we want to talk to you. So we had a conversation with some government people, and they said to us, your mission, on behalf of your fellowship, would you please come and present at a special meeting of this commission? There were only four people asked to give what you would call expert testimony to this commission, and your fellowship was one of them. Now, your government recognizes that we are one of four people in this nation that really know what we're talking about when we talk about modern slavery. But we have talk about it in one 
one particular area of our of expertise, and that is in regard to children. So we presented. The senators were very pleased with what we said. They asked for a second follow-up meeting, and they are going to write into the modern slavery some of the recommendations that we have made. They asked us to write the recommendations. Isn't that amazing? That's your fellowship. I know it's easy to say, oh, ACC, we don't do anything really good, do we? You know, So with somebody else. Your fellowship is considered expert. Yeah. We've been to the United Nations in Geneva. We've been to the United Nations in New York. Okay, we, we've spoken at major, major gatherings around the world for this. We will go back to the United Nations once again in the next six months and talk to them some more about it. The parliament in the UK have asked us to send our information to them for their investigation on modern slavery. So this is amazing, okay? Uh, in regard to this area of children and, and the, the, you know, the modern slavery issue of children, we've advised the Cambodian government, the Sri Lankan government, uh, the Filipino government. We, we are considered expert. This is your fellowship. The people are, oh, yeah, those blokes in Melbourne, they know what they're doing. We have grown up and we are influential, okay? And we are recognized because we have the expertise. So the people back there are not a bunch of pastors, okay? We don't know what they're doing. These are people from our fellowship who are expert, okay? So I just want you to be proud of your fellowship and what they're doing. Now, in addition to all of that, um, it says try again. I'm always trying again. Uh, we assisted in various projects, okay? So we do various community development projects. We assisted 405,493 adults. So call it 406,000 adults, four times the capacity of the MCG, okay? That's pretty amazing. How many people live in Adelaide? Hmm? So a million. So if you add that 450,000 to the children, five, six, seven, 800,000. We're getting close to the population of Adelaide. That we helped, your fellowship helped, and made significant, long-lasting change in their lives and their communities. It's pretty astounding that such a small fellowship can have such a powerful influence. Now, during the last two years of, of the conference period, our fellowship gave to us $9 million. Only heard one little wow. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Never before have we given so much to mission, but see what we're doing. See what we're doing. And we did that without your help, some of you. Imagine what we could do if you joined with us. We could do a lot more. But, but the power is in unity here, right? In unity. The biggest churches of our nation are, are supporting us. How about you? Come on. You can do something with us. We'll do something exciting together. Transform lives. Change people. You know, it's exciting. You have a powerful group of people who do amazing things. If you're wondering, we just finished the Pan-Asia Conference, which is in Phuket. It's a rat hole, but, you know, people go there for holidays. You should come to our Pan-Asia Conference and come and meet the missionaries, see what we're doing. At the state conference, go up to one of our missionaries, talk to them, get the book, have a look. 
this has never been this good. You have opportunity to do something great. You don't have, we're not talking about how much will you give. I don't care about how much you give. God, God looks after all of that. Just do what you can. Amen? Isn't that what Jesus said of the woman? She did what she could. Amen? No one's asking you to be in competition. Remember that woman who gave all she could? She has given more than all of these. God doesn't count what you're giving. Guys, he doesn't count. But you've got to be doing something. Come on, let's get into it. Let's, let's change the world together. Amen? Fantastic. So I'm going to show you a little video clip. Uh, the video clip explains to you what, uh, uh, gives you a sample in one country only, uh, how we transform communities around the world. And we are transforming. While we are talking now, there are dozens of communities Dozens being transformed around the world. And once we finish, we move to the next one and we move to the next one. It's a perpetual program. And by the way, this is in Cambodia. When we do it in Vietnam, the Vietnamese communist government took up a one-day offering for us and has been doing so for the last five years, which is better than most of our churches in Australia who ignore it. But the, I get more money in a one-day offering from the church, from the communist government in Vietnam than I get from the average church in the ACC because they believe in it. And do you know what they tell us? Here's the money. Don't spend it in Vietnam. Take it overseas. Do for others what you're doing for us. Isn't that amazing? So the communists think we're good. If only our pastors would offer. Maybe they should become... Co no, never mind. Okay, let's, let's play this. Have a look at this. This is great. ខ្ញុំជំនុំមានឥទ្ធិពលដល់សហគមន៍គឺខ្ញុំជំនុំបានធ្វើដោយ ไปซาเปียร้อยเจียกะสกอบกอหมู่บอเจียสมบองนั้นคือสรายถึงกะรูสรายนั้นให้เนาะดำบอลนี้ขวักขาดตึกให้ มันบ่งได้ฮะอดมีไอ้สําคัญบ่าแม่นถ้ารัฐบาลลูกอดมีรัฐภิเษกได้ลูกอดรัฐภิเษกปั้นแต่วิจารณ์ไปต้องมันง
ແລະຖືຕາມກອດຈັ່ງຕິດຕິດຈັ່ງໃດຖ້າໄລ່ມັນແຕ່ມາໄລ່ດອກແບດຊ្នាក់ມາຈົມພູປະຊາຊົນ <coughs> ແລະກະອັນນີ້ກໍບານອົບຖໍາ <coughs> Whoa, can you see that? Did you hear what the government officials are doing? In many places they say well, to communities, if you need help, go to that church organization over there. Don't use the government, they're hopeless. This is government officials, go to them. Because strange things happen. You see that dam? Well, one of, one, one of the churches in Australia sponsors the development of that particular village, which is what we offer. You can sponsor the development of a village. And um, one of the strange things that happened was we helped them to build that dam. That's a massive dam of water, right? And they, when they finished it, they said, well, we're going to have to wait a few months now till the rainy season comes to fill the dam. But in the week after completing the dam, they had this unseasonable, huge downpour of water that actually filled up that dam. And that's what the government official says. Well, work with the Christians. They're strange things happen when you work with the Christians. We know what's going on. Amen? So that's just one village in Cambodia. There are dozens more with similar stories. You'll notice it's not white fellas going out there. We've trained nationals to do this. It's in the hands of the nationals, which we support and advise. Uh, and it really is phenomenal because we, we are eradicating poverty one village at a time. And when you do that, Children are not trafficked into slavery, okay? They're not sent off to orphanages. You know, young girls are not endangered, okay? Disease is eradicated from the village. The birth rate increases because the infant mortality rate declines. All sorts of amazing things happen in places like that. We're doing a really great job. So uh, I want to thank you in anticipation of your support during the next 12 months. Amen? Come on, we can do it together, amen. Yeah, let's do something big. Amen? Yeah, go back to your church, take a mission offering, send it to me. I'm not after your money, I want your engagement so we can do something big together, amen? Become a partner in this, it's exciting, amen? Okay, so that's enough of all the business end of things. Uh, if you've got a Bible, and I'm sure you have one somewhere, even if it's on your phone, uh, you can turn with me to... to the book of Philippians. And 
while you're doing that, let me read you a, a couple of verses of Scripture. Okay, I did this at a recent minister's thing and got myself completely and utterly lost. So I want, I want you to see that in the book of Ephesians, okay, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in, at, in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul, okay, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, when you get to the book of Philippians, jeez, uh, oh too many chapters. He says, Paul and Timothy, yeah, bond servants of Christ Jesus. Paul and Timothy. Now, if you go to the next book, which is, should be Colossians unless they've moved it. Um, here we go. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy. Now, you can keep going. You can read the next one and the next one. And Timothy has entered the picture. Okay? So it was Paul. Now it's Paul and Timothy. Uh, and so obviously, the Apostle Paul is, uh, what would you say? He's, he's, you remember he had the, the, the issue with Timothy who left, but obviously Timothy's come back and Timothy and Paul are really tight. Okay? And Paul really, really, he loves Tith, Timothy. He thinks he's a, a fantastic guy. And so, when he writes to the Philippian church, uh, it says in verse 19 of chapter 2, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Okay? Oh. Can you imagine now that the church, you, you're sitting in church on a Sunday and this is being read to you, and you've got this letter from Paul, so you finish your songs and instead of the preaching, someone's going to read Paul's letter. Wow. This is really awesome. And, he's, and you get to this, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Whoa, we're going to get Timothy the great one. Oh, he's fantastic. Timothy's coming. Wow. He says, uh, that you also may be encouraged when, you, when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own. Not the things which are Christ Jesus, but you know his, Timothy, proven character. That as a son with a father, he served me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. Oh, wow, what a build-up. The Message Bible says, Timothy is, is, is the best. The best. Now you're excited. Timothy's coming. Verse 24, but... Oh, be careful. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Whoa, Paul's coming as well. Well, we got uh, two for one. This is going to be great. We're going we're to have meetings every night, all day. This is going to be fantastic. Verse 25, yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. What? What? Bait and switch? Come on. Timothy's coming. Paul's coming. Hang on. Actually, Epaphroditus is coming. What happened? He says, I, I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my needs. Wow. Wow. Uh, thanks. Since he was longing for you all, he wanted to come and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, 
So, I'm not sending Timothy to you. I'm sending Epaphroditus because he wanted to come, despite the fact he's been as sick as a dog. I'm sending the sick guy to you, who's not the best I've got. Timothy's the best. You're getting Epaphroditus. I don't know about you, but I mean, that is not a very good sort of introduction. But they all knew Epaphroditus, you see, because he was one of them. This is his home city, Philippi. So now he's sending back the guy that they had sent to Paul. So they sent this guy to Paul to minister to Paul. Now he's sending him back. Uh Uh-oh. And he's saying, well, he's your guy, and he's sick, and he wants to come back. He's homesick. He needs you. He's, he's, He's pining for you guys. I'm sending him back to you. So the question is, what's going on here? Because this, this is the guy that sort of grew up in the church. He's one of us. He's not anything special. We wanted Timothy, Paul, and we get one of our own boys back. We get one of our own. We're not having a crusade for one of our own guys. Why would you do that? It's like going to a conference to hear an Australian speak. What do you want to do that for? Who's he? Nobody, nothing, you know, just useless, flipping local bloke, coming home after being sick. Probably half dead by the time we get him back again. And uh, uh, what's the point of that? So I just, I just say, Paul, what are you doing? But notice what Paul says. Having built up this guy, Timothy, and talk about Timothy as the best. Timothy's the real thing. Timothy's outstanding. He says this. He says, I, I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. And Paul draws a distinction between the one who is best and the one who is necessary. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, see? Because I think we all have to realize Epaphroditus was not the best, but he was the one who was necessary for Philippi. And that helps me, because I know I'm not the best, but I can be necessary. Isn't it? I encourage myself all the time with this. I say to myself, myself, you're not the best. But I tell you what, you can become necessary. You can be necessary, I'm telling you now. Sometimes you can't make yourself the best, but you can always make yourself necessary. That's in your hands. See, the fact that he was necessary doesn't make him second best. Okay? He's not second best. He's not inferior. But he isn't the best. And not being the best doesn't make you second best, and it doesn't make you inferior. Because there is much to be said about never wanting to actually be the best. Because when you look at the word necessary that Paul uses, he's saying he's essential to you. He's needed by you. He's what you require. Specifically, this is exactly what you need. You don't need Timothy. You need Epaphroditus. Yeah? Oh, sure, he's not the best, but then again, the best probably would never come to you and me, would they? Have you tried inviting the best? They don't even reply, because they're the best. Being what is needed means that we don't need to strive for the best, but we seek to be always, wherever we are, needed and necessary. That's why you are where you are today in ministry. You're not where you are because you're the best. You're there because the best wouldn't come. Isn't that right? Come on. I'm telling you. The best wouldn't come. Because the best said to God, 
I'm too busy. The best said to God, I got better opportunities. The best said to God, I don't do that sort of thing. Yeah? The best said to God, I don't want that sort of lifestyle. I want this sort of lifestyle because I'm the best. This is what I deserve. This is what I want. And what you got and what you did was you said, I'll go where necessary. Isn't that right? I'll do what's necessary. The best are not always servants except to themselves. But the necessary are willing to serve others, yeah? So the best is not always what is essential. What's essential to us is what is needed. You see, if you go to hospital and there's something seriously wrong with you, I can tell you right now that the chances of the best doctor in the nation operating on you are extremely low. But you don't care. All right? You're going to get a good doctor who'll do what's necessary. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? And that's what you want. I mean, look, none of you drive the best car. All of you could sit down and think, I can think of a better car that I could drive. I could think of a better house I could live in. Uh, maybe on some days you could think of a better person to be married to. And we all know we could have had better kids in some way or another, but, but never better grandkids, I'm telling you now. They're all perfect. There's always a comparison we can make in every aspect of our life and, and admit that there's something better. But, but let me say this. You got what was needed, what was necessary. Isn't that right? Come on. Come on. Are you going to sit around and you can't get the best and you get nothing? Isn't that right? You, you don't do that. That's not life, right? You, you go out and you say, well, I know I can't afford a Mercedes, so I'm going I'm to have a look at a Ford. You know? Let's choose something else. Okay. So the question for us to ask is, in all honesty, knowing that we are not the best, and we'll never become the best, that's not the issue for us. We should put that on the side, right? We're not here to pursue becoming famous and becoming the best. We want to know how to be the necessary good and faithful servant. That's the core of what we aim to be. That is what is absolutely essential to your church and your place of ministry, the most important thing is not to be the best, but to be what they need. Be what they need. How did Epaphroditus do this? Well, the Bible says he was a fellow worker, soldier, fighter. Hmm? He was a trusted brother, Paul says. He has all these phrases about him which indicate to us how he was a necessary man. Paul had confidence that he knew that when he sent Epaphroditus, he could be a brother, okay? He could be a servant. He could be a soldier. He could be many things, depending what was needed. When you send the best, they only do one thing, and that's the thing they're best at. And that's the problem with the best, isn't it? Do you, will you do this? No, I don't do that because uh, I just do this, you know? I just do this. Pastor, no, I can't do that, Pastor. I sing, and, and I'm not prepared to help you in the building program because I'm, my gift is singing. That's my ministry, my ministry, see? You know, I have a ministry of praying for people at the altar. No, I'm not going to help at the door. I'm not going to clean up anything. I'm not going to do anything because this is my ministry. I'm a ministry of prayer, brother, a ministry of prayer. See, because when you start thinking you're the best, all you want to do is what you think is you're best at, and you're useless everywhere else. Isn't that right? And we don't want people who are the best. We actually want people who are useful, don't we? That's what we want. Useful people, not the best. Goodness me. We don't want the best. We can't even afford it. But we do want useful people. Amen? 
See, Paul trusted him. He said, I'm going to send you there. And I don't know what they'll need when you get there, but I know I'm sending somebody who will be whatever they need. If they need a soldier, you'll fight for them. Yeah? If they need a servant, you will serve them. If they need a brother to put an arm around and encourage them, you will be the brother. Whatever it is, you will become that person. That's what a necessary person is. That's what we are called to be. We're not called to be one thing. We're called to be everything. And that, you know that in ministry. You know already. I don't want to teach you to suck eggs. You know already that you have to be many things. And if you want to be necessary to, to your church, that's what you have to do. When I talk to young pastors about this and teams in churches, that's the message I've got to get across. Stop being a prima donna. Just say, what do you want? I'll do it. Amen? That's being necessary, isn't it? That's what we want. So he, he was willing to be adaptable, change, do his best. And that's the issue. Doing your best, not being the best. We don't ask, are you the best? We ask, did you do your best? Then hallelujah. That's fantastic. All right? So he, when he sent him there, he was the man who was adaptable and would do this. He was the soldier, the brother. The, that's it. Now, when he went there, he ministered to the needs and the wants of the people. He went to Paul. He ministered to Paul. He's coming home. He's going to minister. He served, okay? And when he served, he, he wasn't serving his own vision. See, the best want to serve what they want for their purposes only. The best is doing something because it's a benefit to them. All right? It is. I'm telling you now. Oh, well, if I stand and lead the worship in your service, then maybe when you have a guest preacher and I'm leading the worship, they will recognize me and offer me a job in their church. I don't know. But that sort of stuff goes on. Because they're thinking about themselves. Because we don't want people who are the best who think only about what's best for them. We want a people who will see what's needed and do the best for everyone. Don't we? So he learned how to serve, see? Not just command. The best command. The needed and necessary people serve. They serve. And you've had trouble with people who just want to command and won't serve, haven't you? It's a common problem. You ask someone, will you head up this team to do this? And you find that they're offending people all the time because they, they want to lead by command instead of lead by example. They're not interested in relationship. They're interested in getting the job done the way they think it should be done. And they're not the best. And they, they are not needed. And it's pretty difficult to tell some people who think they're the best that they're not needed. But they have to learn that. And you've all been there. The best want to control, that want to be in charge because they're the best. And, but the needed ones, they'll just lead by example. And they don't serve their own agenda. They're serving, the, they're serving the vision of the house. Amen? That's what you want. That's what we have to do as pastors. That's the example we have to set. We serve the vision of the house as well. We serve those people as well. We're not here to command and direct and smack them and, you know, and we're not the best. So we want to be necessary. Amen. He was also a man of compassion. He was very compassionate with Paul. He's praying for the people at home. He's concerned for the people at home. He shows a lot of compassion. Compassion's the thing that makes us most necessary. The best often lack of compassion. They're a bit cold-hearted. 
Matter of fact, I'm the best. Let me, this is it. Bang, I'll tell you what to do because I'm the best. Yes, yes, yes. All right? And, we sh and, and the best will say, we've got to uphold a standard here. You can't sing in church. You're useless. All right? No, you can't be on the door. You don't look good enough. You're not good enough looking. I mean, because we have standards. That's the best. But the necessary person has compassion. He says, brother, I'd like you to get involved. Let's engage you. Let's, let's get you involved. Because they have compassion. And they're not saying, I I'm too busy practicing my songs. They say, I'm willing, pastor. I'm willing to do something. What can I, what can I do? Huh? Because they have compassion. They feel the need of others. You may never be the best, but God tell you what, we can have compassion. And when you do, you'll always be necessary to a church. I know for a fact, don't you, that churches are willing and sometimes glad that they lost the best. But they're never, never glad they lost the one that was necessary and compassionate. Never. 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 This man was obviously willing to make lots of sacrifices, and that's what made him necessary. He was a man willing to sacrifice. People willing to make sacrifices are always considered invaluable in church life and ministry, aren't they? He was a man who sacrificed. He was willing to leave home, leave his people, leave his culture, leave everything else, travel a dangerous journey, be with the Apostle Paul, serve him night and day. Because those sacrifices are what necessary people do. Whereas the best don't really want to make any sacrifices that don't immediately benefit themselves. Yeah? And I, like I give a million examples, but they're just about the same examples as you would have in your ministry life. You've encountered this a lot, a lot over the years. But I had a, what I would consider the best ever music person in my church. I mean, they had his own music studio. He, did, he sang professionally for a living and taught music for a living. And he was outstanding and his wife was outstanding. And they did some television gigs and they produced their own music. And, and they were backing singers for all this. Sort of that. And, and I thought, whew, we got the best in church. Probably the worst thing I ever did. Because they basically told everybody else they were useless. And slowly, uh, we lost all participation in church services until it was just them because they were the best and they don't need anybody else. You're only messing us up, you know. And why should we try and sit for a few hours and, and, and coach you so that you can sing in church on Sunday? That's a waste of our time. Why don't we just do it because we do it better than you anyway? And you get all these things that are not said, but they're practiced. And I remember I, I was going really weary of all of this stuff. We had come out to a, a Christmas event. And, of course, we sat down and we said, okay, now you're looking after the, you know, the kids thing and you're looking after the, you know, this, the, the stage and how it's going to be done and you're looking after the catering for this. You're looking after the stuff that's happening outside the church and we're going to put bouncy castles in, you know, and you're looking after and you're looking after. And you're looking after the music, right? Good. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Go through with this. What are we going to do here? What are we going to You know, you've been through it, right? You're, you're doing you know, a list of, oh, okay, good, good. Uh, you're doing it. We're going to do carols, right? Carols. So here's the carols. Okay, good. Now you, we want a choir. Okay. All right, so we're going to ask for volunteers to be in a choir, and you need to train the choir and prepare the choir and everything else, right? So we go. Now, two, three weeks' time, we have another meeting. You tell me what you've done, you tell me what you've done, and then we go through, and you all say, you, you know, you, and this, this one says, oh, well, um, yeah, well, we have a problem with the carol. What's the problem with the carol? I don't like them. 
said, well, I, I never asked if you liked them or not. I said, these were the carols we were going to sing. Anyway, so the problem continued on and on and on until we were about three weeks out. At three weeks out, all you guys, had, you, you, you'd knocked it out of the park. You had it all ready to roll, man. We were really good. A few little glitches along the way. And this one didn't have anybody in a choir and couldn't be bought. I, I said, at least give us a song list. He wouldn't even give us a song list. He's too busy. So I asked him a simple question. I said, um, I said, I asked you for a song list today, you know, a, a running sheet with the whole thing. We, 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 and I want you to fill out the running sheet with your songs. I'm too busy. I said, you knew you were coming here and you had to do this. Yeah, too busy. I said, let me ask you a question. What time did you go to bed? I said, about 10 o'clock. I said, why? Why did you go to bed? I was tired. So you shouldn't have gone to bed. You should have stayed up all night if you had to. Because that's what these other people would have done. They wouldn't have come to this meeting and said nothing. If they had to stay up at 3 o'clock in the morning and fix it, they fix it. If that had to be down in church at 4 a.m. in the morning, they would have been down in church at 4 a.m. in the morning to fix it, right? You don't just say, I was tired, I went to bed. But the best do. The best do. Because I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to set it up so that in the end, he and his wife would be the only ones presenting at the mission thing. I said, that's unacceptable. I said, and I consider it to be lazy. And I don't want a lazy person on my staff. He says, if that's how you feel about it, I'll resign. I said, you know what? I think that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> Goodbye. And that's it, right there, right then. He said, well, I'm going. I said, fine, go. But take your stuff off your desk with you. Don't come back. What, you got rid of me? I'm the best. Yeah, but actually, I'd rather not do it. You know what I mean? I'd rather not do it. It's just, come on, what are we doing? Why do we go through all this pain? Because we allow the best to manipulate us all the time. So we still had it, and it will look, yeah, okay, the music was definitely not the best. The kids stuffed up, made all sorts of mistakes, which is always fantastic, you know. We had trouble with the bouncy castle, which sort of half deflated during the night. You know, we had the food went cold before anybody got to it. All those stuff that happens all the time. No one complained. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah, we just sang carols, you know, joy to the world. Yeah, we weren't going to win a prize, but it worked. It worked. The community came, the parents came, their grandparents came, and not everybody had a smile on their face. Yeah. Because we don't need the best sometimes, and we're better off without the best. But we always need the necessary. And our goal in ministry is to be those necessary people in our churches. Amen? And make the sacrifices that only the necessary people are willing to make. Amen? So he was willing to become that necessary person. He was adaptable, willing to sacrifice, etc. And we keep going all day on this. You understand what I'm saying to you. But the point with the best is, have you ever noticed how it changes? What is best today was not what was the best before. Have you noticed this? I mean, for example, I'm old enough to remember a time when I was told and I, I wanted to buy a, uh, a video player. They didn't have video recorders in those days, but they had video players, and you got a big cassette, and you shoved it in, see? And I remember going to the store to talk about one of those things. A few of you can remember this. Sadly, we can remember these things. And they told me at the time, don't buy a VCR. Buy a Betamax, right? Remember Betamax? Because it's far superior. And it was. It was better. Where are they today? 
They don't exist. Well, none of them exist, but they went out of business pretty quick, didn't they? They were boat anchors in no time at all. And, and you can still get a VCR. But now they say, oh, you know, got to get a DVD. And then when you get a DVD, you've got to get a Blu-ray. I went into a shop and asked for a Blu-ray DVD. He said, sir, I can see your age. It's not called Blu-ray DVD. It's just called Blu-ray. I thought, and up your nose as well, snotty little guy. It's called a Blu-ray. Hooray. I got the Blu-ray. I can't tell the difference. So we've seen things come and go, haven't we? And we could, we could start listing all the things we've seen come and go, all the, all the computers that have come and gone and all the rest of it, because the best isn't always the best. It goes out of fashion. We've seen it in church, haven't we? But I'll tell you what doesn't change, what's necessary. Your needs don't change, folks. And that's where we base our ministry we're basing our ministry on the real needs of people, not on, the, not on the fads that come and go, not on the things that people think will be best for them, but actually what they really need. That's what we are there for as ministers, amen? That's what we minister to people for. We are the ones God put in our places of ministry today. You are there, not because you're the best, but I tell you what, God looked at that place and said, I'm going to send you what you really need. And they might say, we didn't get the best, did we? No, but you got what you really need. We are necessary. And God help you if you've got the best. I think sometimes God blesses us by not answering our prayers. And if you want God to curse you, ask him to answer all of your prayers. Because many a time you look back in life and say, thank God he didn't give me that. Thank God he ignored that one. I was fasting and praying. Thank God he didn't give it to me. Huh? Come on. Because we don't want all of that. We want what God wants. What God wants is the best. You are what your church and your place of ministry needs. And it's our responsibility to become that individual in that place. Amen? To be the necessary one that God put in that place. To be the one. It doesn't matter what comes, what goes, what's in fashion, what's out of fashion, what's considered best now and then not best later. All of that doesn't matter because we're not thinking at that level. We're actually applying ourselves to a level which is, I'm going to be what's necessary. I hear some pastors talk to me sometimes. Yeah, I went out to that church, you know, and I've got to do this. I've got to go to that church. I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to do that, and I've got to do that. That's what it is. It isn't going to change, buddy. That's what it is. If you don't like it, hand in your credential, quit, and nick off. Because this is what it is. Huh? This is, this is it. It is about having to clean the toilet if nobody's there to clean the toilet. It is about putting out everything. It is about serving the tea. Yeah, it is about putting the chairs out. Yeah, it's about coming early and putting the carpets outside so you don't get mud on the floor inside. It's about all of that, isn't it? It's about building your own building when you have to, and it's about doing what you have to do. We all do it. We all got dirt under the fingernails. Yeah? And we'll do it again and again and again and again because it doesn't matter. We're not looking for when does this finish. Because being necessary never comes to an end. If you're the best, it will. If you're the best, one day people look up and say, well, you're the best. Well, you used to be the best. No, there's someone who's better. We want him. Get off. Isn't that right? Come on. Come on. But when you're necessary... People love you. People know they need you. People say, whoa. Phew. You know how many places I've been where people say to me, you know, our pastor, 
not a very good preacher, you know. Oh, geez, he needs help, you know. He needs help, you know. But I tell you what, we love him. We wouldn't be without him. He's awesome. Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. We really love him. You see, you don't have to be the best. I'm not telling you don't do your best. I'm telling you do your best. And if your best isn't the best, it's okay. They need you. Amen. And they, they want what they need. Amen. And to me, my encouragement all, all the time, I'm telling you, I, I'm not the best at leading the mission program for your fellowship. I'm not the best vice president you could ever have. I'm not the best. Right? But I want to tell you that whatever I do, I'm not striving to be the best, but I will do my best and I will do what's necessary. When I served Andrew and I served Brian and I served Wayne, I don't try to offer them what is the best. I say, what do you need? I'll be what you need. I'll do what you want. I'm going to talk about this at your leaders meeting tomorrow. Okay, not this, but the same theme, but a different, different, okay? Yeah. Because that's what people need to hear. Because that's the heart of the ministry, isn't it? That's the heart of the ministry. I think we misunderstand it when Jesus said he washed the disciples' feet. I think we see it as a one-off indication of a lesson he wanted to teach them, but I think that's wrong. I think that that is an indication of his whole attitude and spirit and value of ministry. I do. I think there'd be many a time when he served them, when he says, here, you know, have some bread, have some fish. You want some wine? I think he would have, don't you? I don't think he was that standoff bloke in the corner that everybody had to come and serve and bow down to. No way in the world. There's no evidence of that in the Scripture. So what I want to say to you guys in all sincerity, and I believe God wanted me to tell you this, and I know, you know, you really are absolutely necessary. And that's the best thing you can ever be in life. Your people need you. Your church needs you. The community needs you. You have been personally selected by God. You're the necessary one. You may wonder why he never sent the best. I've got to tell you, he asked them, but they wouldn't go. (laughs) Okay? They wouldn't come. He gave them the opportunity, and they blew it. All right? And they're probably running around America right now, preaching at churches and dropping names and getting fantastic love offerings, but they're not necessary. They're not necessary over there, and they're not necessary over here, and soon they won't be the best anymore, and they'll be thrown on the trash heap. But you, you're investing your life into a people and a community, and you're establishing something there that will never be lost because you're the one God selected as the necessary one. So take your eyes off the best because they can't and won't do what you're doing. They'd be flipping useless. You are the only one that can do what you're doing now and you've sacrificed and you're willing to do it and God will bless it. Amen? Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you right now. Thank you, Father, that you selected us called us, shaped us, fashioned us, and gifted us for where we are today. You, you alone, placed us where we are right now. We live in the center of your will for us every day. We thank you, Father, that you chose us 
and gifted and anointed us to be necessary people where we are today. Help us to influence not just our church, but our community, our region. Show us where we can be the necessary one in our church and our community and throughout that region. Give us the opportunities to serve so that we may bring glory to you and fruit into your kingdom. We thank you, Father, for sending us to be necessary ones. Thank you, Lord. Amen.